0: As I said earlier, we had an absolutely amazing week this week as we saw God show up. We saw people come from many other churches. We saw people from the community come, people who uh, don't currently have a church home, some who you all may be here this morning. We're glad that you are here with us. Um, You know, it's an amazing song, and I hope it touches your soul deep inside, maybe even for reasons that you don't quite understand. And I hope that as we're done our sermon today that you will have a greater understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit desires to do in you and then through you. The, the reality is this. I think that in most churches we cannot even comprehend the Holy Spirit because we put him in such a tiny little box. The title of my sermon today is actually The Forgotten God and I get that from Francis Chan who's written a book called The Forgotten God talking about the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't already read that book, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I think it's his best book uh, that is out there. There's also some videos on YouTube that go with each chapter that are incredible, and I believe will enlighten you more and more. Today, as we again take a a high-level look at the Holy Spirit, I hope it it gives you some more information, but it gives you an appetite to to look into it more and to study who he is more. I'm going to try to answer four questions for us this morning. First is, who is the Holy Spirit? What role does he play in our lives? What is it he wants to produce in us? And then finally, what does our response need to be in light of all of these things about who the Holy Spirit is? Um, and so the Holy Spirit is, as we know, the part of the Trinity, the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And, and we know that intellectually, but I'm not so sure that we really comprehend. If you, if you really think about it, we talk about the first two. We talk about God the Father, we talk about Jesus Christ, but we don't really often talk about the Holy Spirit. We, we talk about it as though uh, He really is the forgotten God, that we don't understand. And, but if you were to read the Bible, especially the New Testament for the first time, and not having any understanding of it before, I think it would be almost impossible to come to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit wasn't incredibly important. When you look at what happened, you know, and having been there, it gives me a totally different perspective now that on the shores of the Lake of Galilee, a six-mile span of that shoreline with a lot of the disciples having grown up right there, that God through uneducated men, men that know less about the Word of God and the Holy Spirit than you do today, God turned the world upside down on its ear from one little portion of the world. Yeah, this week I was talking to a good friend of mine who's a missionary in Mexico, and I've told you about Neil before, I meet with him every Wednesday, and we were just talking about what God is doing this week, what God is doing here at this church, and the exciting things that are taking place, and I never thought about Williamsburg before like I did on that day, but do you realize how strategic this piece of property is? Do you realize how many people come through Williamsburg? How many military families come through here? that we as a local body of believers have the opportunity to touch. And when you look at these military families that are coming through, usually the ones that are living in Williamsburg have our career military. They, they've been there for a while, and, and, and because of that, they have the opportunity to influence people. We get them for two years, three years, maybe four years, and then they're gone. And, you know, we often look at that like, well, that's not a good thing because we have this great turnover. Let me tell you, that's a great thing. You know, it's, I, it's, it's sad to see some of them go because they're so well-equipped, but when you look at the opportunity that we have to pour into them with the love of Jesus and see their spiritual growth develop, and then the influence that they get to have on this nation from Williamsburg, Virginia, this is a phenomenal place. You know, and when we will allow the Holy Spirit to work through us in, in our lives, and as we'll see hopefully at the end of the sermon and being a witness that, and through our lives, and the impact that we get to have really on this nation from this little spot on the peninsula that everybody gets mad at when they're on 64 because everything bottlenecks here, and their opinion of Williamsburg isn't that good, right? But let me tell you something. God has given us a strategic piece of property to influence his kingdom for Jesus Christ. And it's going to happen if we will allow ourselves to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's part of the Trinity. We see this in the New Testament. We even see it in the Old Testament. In the, in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, what does Jesus say? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hadn't come yet, right? Not at this time. And he's saying, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we, we see the Holy Spirit referred to even by Jesus Christ. But if you go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis 1 and 26, when God is creating the world, you, you have to look for it a little bit carefully in, in this text. It, Let us make man in what? Our, plural, our image after our likeness. You know, a lot of people tend to think that is God the Father and that's it that Jesus Christ was a prophet or he came on later or whatever, You, you look back into the beginning of the word, let us make man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see it all throughout Scripture. You see the redemptive theme of God throughout the Scripture as he's trying to redeem Israel. And by the way, the reason he was pursuing Israel was the same reason he pursues you today, so that your life can be transformed. You can tell everybody else about the greatness of God Almighty. And so what role does he want to play in our lives? He wants to play a variety of different roles. The very first thing that happens when somebody accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, not Jesus Christ as their fire insurance plan, but accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, is the Holy Spirit indwells them. We call this the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe that's a one-time event where we are baptized by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit indwells Christ followers. We see this again throughout scriptures. In Romans chapter 8, 9, it says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God, what? Dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. And so if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, as we'll see in a moment. There ought to be evidence of that. A lot of people today that claim to be Christians, that have walked Nile, prayed a prayer, got dunked in some water. But there's no evidence. When the Spirit indwells you, something changes, and there ought to be some evidence of that. In John 14, 17, it says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because neither do they see Him or know Him, you know Him for what? He dwells within you and will be with you. So the Spirit wants to come and indwell us and empower us. His Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are indeed sons and daughters of of Jesus Christ. But the second thing that the Holy Spirit does, and I hope this is a relief for a lot of you, is that He will convict the world of sin. Let that sink in for a moment. Whose job is it to convict the world of sin? Not ours. Let me just give you, we, we talked about pet peeves the first night of Youth VBS, and so let me give you one of mine. When people take the job of the Holy Spirit and try to convict other people of sin. You ever, you ever seen that happen in church? Somebody comes dressed a certain way or, you know, smelling a certain way, and we feel compelled that we got to tell them. Not our job. That ought to be a relief, right? We don't have to go around turning everybody by other sinners, right? Because that's what? The pot calling the kettle black. We're all, all we are is a bunch of sinners. I'd rather have them in church where they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached than out there living like hell, right? amen we, we got to lighten up a little bit because where would jesus be he'd probably be right in the bars living life with people and sharing the good news about who he was so that their lives could be transformed and we go oh. let's lighten up and be the church let the holy spirit guide us into all truth let the holy spirit do stuff in us i used this illustration once before and you know imagine that i had this great big sponge up here in a rainy day like today and that i um I don't have these tendencies necessarily, but let's say that I was so concerned that we had puddles in the parking lot that I wanted to take the sponge and clean them up, so we had a clean parking lot. What would happen to the sponge? What would I soak up? All the nasty, dirty water and that nice, clean sponge that I might use to wash my car with would now be filthy and full of stones and pebbles and grime and stuff. That's us. Full of sin. Filthy, dirty. Dirty before christ we look at people in the community who are sinners and 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 if we're really honest we become so judgmental of who they are they don't even realize that they're full of sin they don't even realize that that sponge of their life has soaked up the world in sin and is so dirty because that's the world that they know they don't know anything else not only does the Holy Spirit convict the world of sin, the Holy Spirit's job is to lead people into all truth there's not one person here today that has a relationship with Christ that didn't get there by the leading of the Holy Spirit once you were that dirty, nasty stinky sponge and the Holy Spirit's the one that allowed you to realize your condition, allowed you to realize what was going to happen if you stayed in that condition and began to draw you into truth. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, you've recognized that, you've confessed your sin. And guess what God says? He is faithful in to forgive that sin and then do something on top of that to cleanse it, to wring it out, Replace it with the living water of Jesus Christ and to uh, cleanse it and, and make it something that can actually do acts of righteousness. You can't do that on your own. Apart from the Holy Spirit leading you into all truth, helping you understand your condition, cleaning you and cleansing you so that you can do spiritual things. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people of all truth or to, of, of their sin, to lead people in all truth. Again, in John 16, verse 13 says, when the, when the Spirit comes... The Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He's speaking on the authority of Jesus Christ. He's illuminating God's Word. When you look at the Holy Spirit, he always glorifies Christ and illuminates the words of God. It's amazing. Every single time he uses the Word of God, he... he, he, Exalts Jesus Christ, what Jesus did, and He speaks the words of Jesus into our heart. And He leads both those who are lost and sinful and those of us who have a relationship with God into all truth. It is the Holy Spirit who does that. You and I can't get enough knowledge of the Word of God to convince somebody of their condition. And if we would just begin to realize that it's not our job in the first place to do that, maybe we'd lighten up a little bit on our evangelistic strategies and we'd just say, All right, Holy Spirit do what you do best, glorify Jesus, and allowing this person to see their need of the gospel, and so the other thing he does, and I've already kind of jumped into this, the Holy Spirit exalts Jesus Christ, in John 16 again, verse 14, he will glorify me, this is Jesus' words, he will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare it to you, he takes the, the work of Jesus Christ, he declares it to you through the Holy Spirit, allows you to understand it as truth, allows you to communicate it in ways that you couldn't communicate it, one of the things that we saw in, certainly in the youth VBS this week as some of our adults stood up and took leadership positions, I believe what we saw right before our very eyes is people's spiritual gifts being affirmed and coming to the surface. Both for those that were watching and and those who were serving, that those spiritual gifts came to the surface. It It was a blast for me to sit back and watch. The reality is I already knew, but I was waiting for the Holy Spirit to do His job in confirming people that they had that gift and as they did it, you know, one, one guy said to me, uh, he was teaching their junior high, in fact, as he's teaching the junior high, two men who were sitting out in the hallway got up out of their chairs and, and filled up the entire door frame to listen to this man teach. And then he said, I gotta, be, I gotta be honest with you, it was a whole lot more fun than I thought. What I've been telling you guys over and over and over about your spiritual gifts, God's gonna use the talents that you already have And he's going to give you a spiritual gift that complements those. And when you serve, it's going to be fun. And then when you let the Spirit speak through you, it's incredible. There's nothing else in this world that is like that, that it is this spiritual high that's unlike anything that I've ever experienced in my athletic world of the highs that I got in competition. When God does something, there is nothing else like it. And when you get a little taste of it, you want more and more and more guess what that is righteousness that because god took that mess of our sponge that was full of sin and grime and dirt and through trials and tribulations he rings it out he replaces it with living water and he cleanses us and he restores us into right relationship with him and then when we yield to him he does amazing things and so he wants to he wants to lead us in all truth he glorifies christ but then he wants to produce something in your lives he wants to produce something that you can't produce on your own. It's called spiritual fruit. We look in Galatians 5. You guys probably have these verses memorized, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Look at these. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. And let me just be honest about myself. and My family could attest to this if they want to, but you guys keep your hands down. I know Dave, I know what I'm really made of. I know that apart from Christ, none of these come out. Not one, in any shape or form. I could fake it for a period of time, but none of these come out. There is no apart from Christ and the Holy Spirit, there is no work of righteousness that can come out through me because I am nothing but filthy rags. And I believe you would probably say the same if you're really honest with yourself, that apart from Christ, you can fake these things for a little while, but you're only faking them out of selflessness and what you want to get out of it, that you're kind to somebody because you want a business deal or you have a little bit of self-control that you don't knock somebody out because of some you don't want to get busted by the cops or whatever it is. But when the Holy Spirit takes over, he produces in you things that you can't produce on your own. That doesn't mean that you don't struggle with stuff and you don't go back and forth as paul says to the flesh and and when you 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 go back to the flesh you understand and you confess those things and and ask god to forgive and cleanse and and he, he continues to work works of righteousness in you and so we need to understand what he wants to do in us what he wants to replace all that old sin i want you to imagine it like this that the Holy Spirit has such power. And I I don't think we believe this in the world today that when we read the New Testament and we see the the miracles and the signs and the wonders that the disciples were doing through the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't believe he does that anymore. Let me tell you what, he's the same God. He wants to do the same things. He's just looking for people to yield to him so that he can glorify himself through us and, and let the world see that he's the one true God. I want you to imagine like this: that there's a river that's coming through a a, a valley, and and that the the we dam up the river so that we have this incredible reservoir. We put some turbines down in the bottom of it. You know, I actually worked on Conowingo Dam, and I've gotten to see the inner workings of a dam and the, all the stuff in there. But I want you to imagine that your life is like that. The, the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ, this dam was built. And all this water now is put back in reserve. And, and you have the option. It's only you that has the option to open up the floodgates, to allow the water to flow down through those turbines, to create all this power, the turbines being the Holy Spirit. That, that it's your water. You can do whatever you want with it. You can grow big fish and do all that stuff and you can keep it to yourself or you can open up the floodgates through faith and allow the Holy Spirit through you yielding to him to do what he wants to do to produce power that you can't do on your own. The moment that you receive Christ, that was done and you have this power available, but if you don't open up the floodgates and yield to what the Holy Spirit wants to do, you don't get to experience that power. You see, there's many, many Christians today that don't understand the Holy Spirit, that maybe are afraid of the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't, I don't want to get too wild and crazy. You know what? I do. And I'm as reserved as they come. You know, dancing up here the kids? Uh-uh, it ain't going to happen. You know, we saw some of our youth workers that were, well, let's just say that their chainsaws don't start well, and so they got to keep cranking. So all you youth know what I'm talking about. They were dancing, cranking like a chainsaw, and all I gotta say, I've got a steel and it cranks on the second pool, so I'm good. That's not me. But I know enough about the Holy Spirit that when he shows up, changes everything. And he so desires for us to understand who he is. And to finally let go and experience the power of the Holy Spirit in such a mighty way that not only will we never be the same, but as we'll see in a moment, that those around us are transformed forever. It comes from a yielding, an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and a yielding to who He is. And here's the joy of windows products so you're going to have to give me my notes on the screen not only does the spirit want to exalt christ and lead us but he wants us to be witnesses for him The response that we ought to have according to this is that we need to be his witness. We need to allow him to do what only he can do in our lives and to to cleanse us and to lead us into doing things. We need to try to uh, allow him to speak in us and through us so that we can do what only he can do and and win others to Jesus Christ. Just keep putting the slides together because I have no idea what's on my notes now. Um, We're going to see if the Holy Spirit shows up. How about that? So in Acts 1.8, here's what Jesus said. He says, you need to be, you, you are my witnesses. Why? Because you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and everywhere around the world that he is going to empower us to be his witnesses. Now, you can be a good witness or a not-so-good witness. He so desires to empower you in such a way that all will know that he is king of kings and lord of lords I I read this story of a a missionary that was going and he was replacing an older missionary that had been there and his health had gotten poor and he had to come home So here's this new guy coming and and the old missionary had a car that he'd been using for the last two years and uh, unfortunately the car wouldn't start and so it was a manual gear shift, and so you know he had devised this plan. There was, a, there was a school that was close to where the car was, and he had talked to the teacher that at a certain time every morning he would leave to do his rounds, and he, he'd get the school kids to push the car, and they'd jump the car, and he'd, he'd go off. Fortunately, where he was going so, was somewhat hilly, and so he'd always park so that the car was going downhill, and if he couldn't, he'd leave the car running all the time. So he's sharing with this new um, missionary who's there. Here's this car that was given to us, but it doesn't run. Here's the, the scheme I've come up with to keep it running. And, and so the new guy, not wanting to be rude, is just taking all this in. And while the, the, the missionary's talking, he pops the hood. And he looks, and looks around, and the wire on the starter was loose. So he actually just kind of twisted it a little bit, got in the car, and the car started right up. Here's what I wondered today. How many of us who genuinely have a relationship with Christ have never tapped into the power of the Holy Spirit? Ever. To see Him move in ways that only He can move. As I was spending time with the youth this week, one of the things that was burdened upon my heart is there's too much at stake in their lives for us not to be serious with them. There's too much at stake in the lives of those that are in this room this morning for me not to be serious with you about the Holy Spirit. There's too much at stake in the lives of people in our neighborhoods that don't know Jesus for us to be silent. I believe God's doing a mighty mighty thing through this body of believers and I think he wants to do even more incredible things through this church that are going to be beyond our wildest imaginations and if we will yield to what he wants to do I think we're in for an incredible ride as we see people come to faith in Jesus Christ as we yield and we see our spiritual gifts come to the surface and we serve and we pour into one another you know a lot of times when it comes to being a witness we have this mindset of the old strategies of uh, evangelism explosion of, of the faith method of, of going out and sharing the gospel and let me just say those are great you know they're, they're methods that you know they work but here's the mentality I believe that we have in the church today that I need more and more and more knowledge before I can do anything no you don't you don't need any more knowledge than you already have what you need is the Holy Spirit what you need is to yield to the Holy Spirit and give up and allow Him, as I saw some of our, our leaders do in youth this week. They they jumped in and served for the first time, and God did something special. Not only in them, but touched those youth's lives in an amazing way. As we come to our song of invitation. there's two things I want you to consider this morning maybe three if you're going to be a real Baptist you've got to have three things right the first is this do you really beyond any shadow of a doubt have a relationship with Jesus Christ And the reason I'm asking that is because if you look at when the Spirit indwells you, there is evidence of that. There is evidence of the fruit that He produces in our lives. Now, I'm not saying that we don't mess up. I'm not saying that we don't go back to the flesh. I do, and then I have to confess that. But is there evidence that some of those things that we saw, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, is there any evidence of that in your life? If not, I, th- I just encourage you just to do a heart check and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in the truth. To Do I really have a relationship with Him or not? I'm not here to cause somebody to doubt the relationship. I'm just here so that you make sure that you know, that you know, that you know, that there's no question in your mind you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you do, what do you need to do today to yield to the Holy Spirit so that He can do something mighty through you? The first step is really just giving up. And, and let me just say this, as a man, this is so foreign to me. And it's something that I'm continually learning about yielding to the Holy Spirit. That I so try to be in control of things and control of my emotions and control because that's how I was trained as an athlete, you know, that you that your mental toughness gets you where you were and it worked great in athletics but let me tell you it doesn't work great in my relationship with Christ some of you are military guys and what you've been trained to do in protecting yourself it doesn't work spiritually you know, you know, some of you ladies have been so wounded that you have so guarded your heart that your relationship with Christ is stifled because your heart is so guarded that you just won't let go. And I just wonder this morning what the Holy Spirit is leading all of us to do you know, in letting go and letting Him so empower us so that others will see Him through us. As we come to the song of invitation, all I ask is that you... Just pray to God and ask the Spirit to lead you in all truth. Pay attention to the stirring that takes place in your soul. And then you respond accordingly. If that means you come to the altar and you just confess some things and you just lay it out and say, God, I don't know what that means, but I'm willing to take that first step of faith and I'm asking that you take the next. Maybe you need to come down and talk to some of our counselors and make sure you have a relationship with Christ. Maybe it's time for you to join this church. Maybe it's time for you to dive in And start serving so that God can do something miraculous. In a couple days, we're sending flyers out in our neighborhood. And there's two other families in church that are joining us. We're inviting the neighborhood over to our house for a barbecue. I'm going to encourage you to do the same this summer. That you invite at least three families that are unchurched over to your house. Three times between now and the end of the summer. So that you can build a relationship with them. I'll close with this illustration. I was listening to a podcast on church growth, and they were talking about a church in London, England that's growing like wildfire. It doesn't happen in London anymore. In fact, where this church is, it's in the slums. And so all these church growth gurus are going over to this pastor, and they've been interviewing him, and say, what are you doing for this growth? He says, we're not doing anything. No, 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 seriously, seriously. What are you doing? says, we're not doing anything. What's your evangelism strategy? We don't have one. What do you mean you don't have one? All we believe that we're supposed to do is take what we preach and go out and live it during the week. And here's what happens. When we go out and live it during the week, people ask us what's going on. And here's the barometer. If they don't ask, then something's wrong with our theology. If they don't ask what's different about us, there's something wrong with our theology. If we would just take what we know through the power of the Holy Spirit and live it out, people will ask. And if they're not asking, there's something wrong with your theology. Strategic place, Williamsburg, Virginia, to really reach this nation for Jesus Christ if we will live out our theology in such a way that people will ask. Are you willing to do that? If so, I'm going to ask that you make a commitment to God as we sing this next song of invitation. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to live each day knowing that we have that relationship with you, that one day that we will be in eternity with you in heaven, but God, I pray that you would give us a heart, that you would give us a burden for what we could be if we would unite as a body of Christ, that we would use our gifts, our talents, our spiritual gifts, and we would allow the power of the Holy Spirit to be so evident in our lives as we live each week that people would ask, what is the difference? God, I pray that you would embolden us and empower us to be that kind of church, Lord, that right now your Spirit would be leading us into all truth and allowing us to understand what we need to yield to so that you can do what you do best. Exalt and glorify Jesus Christ in Jesus' name.